Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Good morning and welcome to episode 101 of Discovered Wordsmith. Uh, today I have Diane Zinna. She wrote a great book, one of those that exploring life and problems and pushing your feelings and everything into your book. Uh, she was having a rough patch and went to Sweden and a book came out of it and she's been writing since this first book took a while, but, uh, she has some great things to say, uh, good things to listen to. And the book sounds really interesting. So I hope everybody sits back, enjoys this interview with Diane. Thanks. Uh, Diane, I want to welcome you to the podcast. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you. I'm glad we could get on. Let's tell everybody uh, a little bit about you. Tell us where you live and what you like to do besides write. Sure. So I live right now right outside of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. Um, but I grew up on Long Island. I went to college on Long Island and did um, my master's in creative writing in Florida. So I've been all up and down the East Coast, but I'm a Northern Virginia girl now. Other than writing, I love to travel, which I haven't been able to do much lately, but people who read my work can really see and feel my love of visiting other cultures and countries. And part of that, I think, is also my love for learning other languages. And so I'm always probably have my nose in my phone doing an app or, or just you know, reading a little bit of something in another language just to keep adding more and more words and sounds to right. my heart. Yeah. And I know a, a lot of people are discovering reading on the phone actually isn't bad, which helped spark the new Bella serial fiction renaissance. And I know authors uh, like Kevin Tumlin drafted digital have said he's written a whole book waiting in lines on his phone and published it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And one thing about me that I'm famous for anything is writing in my car. It's like a long story and it sounds really um, weird, but I just got into the habit with it after my daughter was born because I was having a really hard time separating. And my hubby would say, go to the cafe across the, the town and, and sit and take four hours and work. But I could never really get that far. I was always afraid that something was going to happen back at home. And so I would just get around the corner and park my car in the parking lot of the little mini mall and I'd sit there with my laptop open. But nowadays, whenever I'm driving, it feels like the muses like rush out to meet me. They know when Diane's in her car and she's in movement, like that's when the idea should come. So the notes section on my phone is just full. Right? Right. Stories, ideas. Yeah. Okay. This is more of an author question, but do you uh, ever do dictation recording it on your phone? 
I've tried a couple of times and usually it's just enough to get me back home and put it into my laptop. And it sounds so funny because when I'm recording it, I sound so serious, you know, like <laughs> these are the words, right? And then I play it back and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I was really believing in that and maybe it wasn't exactly right yet, you know? Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. What got you into writing? Why'd you want to start writing? And you said you went to school for writing. So obviously you've wanted to do it for a long time. Yeah. Even as a kid, I can remember just really dreaming of putting together my own books, not only writing them, but like binding them, illustrating them. I can remember that going back a long way. And I remember being in high school and reading sort of the assigned books you know, in English class. And somewhere along the way, I started reading them as a writer. I would read something and be moved by it and then say, how did that person move me? How did, what were the steps that they took to make me feel this way? I wanted to figure out what that magic was and how I could recreate it. And so I would like look at a book and try to trace back where did this begin that allowed me to wind up feeling demolished emotionally on page 44. And so I think that I can trace back my love of being a writer from those early days reading and discovering that there were some techniques involved to move people and I could do it too. So you, you really invented and went through your own master class. <laughs> well, I was noticing things. I'm, like one book I remember being assigned was The Once and Future King, which was a, a King Arthur tale. And I remember like all these early chapters with young Arthur and Merlin and He's learning all of these different lessons from the animals and from nature. And then we get to that part at the end of the first section where he has to pull the sword from the stone. And all of those animals come out of the forest to watch. And they're, like, even saying it out loud right now, it gives me chills. This idea that he's like, able to look around and remember all the lessons. I want to be able to remember all these lessons I'm picking up from books and to give that, those kinds of chills to other people. So how old were you when you read Once in Future King? Because that's not an easy tome. It's I think, I think I was in, I think it was one of these sort of optional summer reads when I was in high school, <laughs> maybe like going into 12th grade or something. Okay. And I read them all. I read all of them. The other one that really left a huge impression on me was um, a science fiction book called A Canticle for Leibowitz. Have you read that? No, I haven't read that oh, one. Oh my goodness. Like that one really left such an impression on me. It was, it was an apocalyptic novel, first time ever experiencing something like that. Took a lot of lessons from that too. Nice. Okay. Uh, usually I ask you what's some of your favorite books. So we've got a couple of those down already. So <laughs> yeah. delve deeper. But <laughs> what we're really here to talk about is your book. So tell everybody the name of your book and tell us what it's about without giving things away. So it's called The All Night Sun. And it's the book of my heart. It took about 12 years from start to finish wow. to write this, um, this book. And it's set in Sweden for the most part. There's a story in here about a young college professor. She's an adjunct English teacher at a um, small, very um, conservative Catholic college. And she's long been grieving the deaths of her parents alone. She has no other family. She's got this job at the school, which is like a lifeline for her. But other than that, she's feeling like depressed all the time. And then into her life, into her classroom, walks this international student named Siri. And um, Siri is from Sweden. And 
it comes out in her essays that she too has been grieving the loss of people who have passed. And they start to bond over grief. And at the end of the semester, Siri says, come home with me to Sweden. I'll show you my country. We'll travel around. And the main character, Lauren, says, yes, it feels like I'm going to be shaking off this shell of grief that I've been wearing so long. She decides to go and risk her job at the school. All of the the ways that people look at her and think that she's making bad decisions. Boy, would this be a bad decision for them to find out about. But she goes and all of her grief just comes along for the ride. And even though she's in Sweden during midsummer when the sun doesn't go down and everyone is partying and the sunlight is bright, she's feeling everything more than ever. And slowly her friendship with Siri starts to fall apart. In the end, though, this really is a story about transformative friendship. And I think that people are really going to see their best friends played out in this. Nice. So, so why did you choose Sweden to set it in? Because it, it sounds like a, a great story for to read. You could have set it in they travel to California or Florida. You've mm-hmm. been to Florida. Why did you choose Sweden? That's such a good question. The truth is that I that didn't ever happen to me again. But I really did wake up from a sleep one morning, I having had a dream about a book, and I like raced to my desk to start jotting down the outline for a book in 20 chapters. And in it, it was this idea of two women on a train traveling through France and they stop in Paris. And the main character goes down to this underground bathroom and she walks in and there's all this art on the walls. And through the door comes an ex-lover and she has to decide whether to stay with this lover or get back on the train and continue um, her trip with her friend. And I'm like, this is going to be the book that I write. But as soon as I started writing it, I had never been to Paris. I don't speak French. I don't know anything about that world. But I had been to Sweden. And as soon as I started writing it and thinking of bathroom underground full of art, it transported me back to a memory, which is probably where the genesis of that idea was. I had been in Stockholm and I had been absolutely entranced by the metro stations because they're underground, but each one is different. You walk into one and there's pain and art on the cavernous walls. It feels like you are absolutely inside these rooms of art. Everyone was different. Everyone was riotous with color. That's where I was getting the idea from. I knew it. And when I started thinking about that friend that she had to choose whether to follow this other kind of life or continue this friendship, it reminded me of the friend that I traveled through Sweden I, I, I noticed you said you like to travel. Uh, you've lived in multiple places with school and that. And the yeah. first two book ideas you mentioned are in foreign country. So I guess, yes. they, you know, yeah. they always say, write what you know. And that seems to be what you do know and feel. Yes. Or write what you are just like absolutely taken with. Like, I think I just can't get enough of it. And so I'm so excited every time. I get to experience something brand new. And we all feel that. All of those memories that we've had in new places, they just, they sing differently in our memory. Nice. Yeah. Just as an aside, we recently got one of those VR goggles and they have all sorts yeah. of videos, <laughs> things you could travel all over and visit places. You'd probably really enjoy that. <laughs> it probably would be well. What other books that are out there can you think of that if somebody read that, they'd enjoy your book? 
I'm going to take that in another direction, okay. <laughs> if I may. Her, um, please. Do you remember the movie Midsummer? Yes. Um, that came out a couple of years ago. That yeah. really graphic, violent horror movie. Yes. That's what I'm going to choose. <laughs> and I think it's so funny, but it really does remind me of that because you know, the original title of my novel set in Sweden was Midsummer. Right? Um, we changed it for other reasons, but here comes this you know, horror film and it has so many of the same elements to it, like a woman in grief traveling with friends in this land where the sun doesn't set, her grief has followed her there. And I feel like when I saw the trailer for it, at first my heart was beating so fast because my book was just about to come out and I thought people are going to think I copied this book, right? <laughs> or this movie. But what happened was I realized that the director was intrigued by all the things that I loved when I was over there. That idea of endless sunlight and how, you know, when you're in like really deep grief, how that can just feel like blinding. It can feel all-consuming, right? So if you love the feeling of that book, minus all of that film, minus all the graphic violence, then <laughs> The All Night Sun is for you. <laughs> I, and I love that you think and say that because it, me, with a lot of the author friends I've got, I hear people say things and discuss, and it's always right in one genre, et cetera. And I've always pushed against that. I, I don't yeah. feel that way. and. I hate categories like on Amazon because you get books that don't seem to fit and you get others that should be in there, et cetera. And I like what Netflix does with tag, because if you like gritty, gory, humorous, I like humorous. And then you get a different list as opposed to the gritty. Mm -hmm. So yours mm -hmm. would match the midsummer on the travel and Sweden and the, the landscape, but then yes. it would have horror and you would have, friendship like or deep something. grief which is another kind of horror right yes <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and what you were saying about genre i'm a teacher that's my like full-time job is being a teacher of creative writing and i'm always telling my students you know read study write outside of your genre there's so much to learn by exploring something that you wouldn't normally go to and stretching your muscles those ways yeah and i love that i read just about everything. I don't think I've read what you would consider much women's fiction, but my wife tells me about a lot of it. So I have some experience. <laughs> but I, yes. I love how you've connected those. That's pretty good. So is this trad published or is it? Yeah, it came out in okay. 2020. Nice. So traditional publishing. And for me, I felt like that was what I really needed to do. The first four chapters, Stephen, are like. It's almost like autofiction, if you know that term, like where you're, it's very similar to your own experience. And then after, like starting with chapter five, it really becomes fiction. What if everything had turned out differently on that trip that I took with that beloved friend? But the beginning of it was so um, close to my own experience. And yeah, I felt like when I was going through deep grief of my own, I was having a really hard time finding people who could relate to me. I was living in a town all by myself with no other family. I did feel unmoored. I felt like I was floating all the time. The only thing that kept me grounded was that teaching job. And because I felt like there weren't a lot of people in my regular circles that I could sell this book to who would get it, I felt like I wanted to cast 
this book out into the wider world and maybe find people who had been like me because I didn't know anyone like me when I was really going through it. And so I would always tell my husband, I'm going to keep trying to publish this traditionally until the day I die. After that, please self-publish it for us, right? And it took a long time for me to find, you know, the right publisher, the right editor who got it, who did understand grief at that kind of level. But once I did, I, it did help me reach, there's our regular circle and then the, the circle right past that. It helped me reach a much larger audience and find the people who can really appreciate that story, which talks about grief and loss in a way that I don't think a lot of books venture to go. I think that lots of books like to tie things up in pretty bows at the end and then it all worked out kind of stuff. And that doesn't really resonate with me. I think a lot of people feel that. So I wanted to present something that felt more true. And I'm going to bet that because the first four chapters are almost you writing your own story through Mm -hmm. these characters, I bet they're much more powerful. And I bet that draws people in a whole lot more than if you were just, you know, coming up with it on the fly. You're really feeling it, getting it down. Yeah, absolutely. I teach memoir. I teach creative writing. Most of my students are trying to do some sort of literary fiction, which is deep dives into like character and their motivations. And I can always hear it when someone reads a line that's from their own life. I can hear it when they're presenting it maybe as fiction, you know, like under this guise of fiction, this veil. But I think someone who does that a lot, I can hear when someone's really telling me the truth about their life behind nice. a mask. And it's very powerful. Nice. Okay. And what, what's the feedback been from readers? Uh, have any of them said anything like the first four chapters really caught me or anything like that? <laughs> It's, it's been amazing. Again, as someone who had been searching for readers who would get it, it's been absolutely incredible to see the response. Lots of emails from readers on, from my website that are seeking me out have shown up at my grief writing classes. I lead them every Sunday. They're open to all people of all levels of writing. They come to me, they find me because of the book and they want to explore their losses, their status stories. How do I tell them in ways that don't turn people off, don't drive people away? And so our Sundays together have become really incredible. But the most beautiful response I've gotten from a reader was when the book just came out. I think it was actually the day it came out. And they wrote to me and said that the acknowledgments section of my book had really touched her and it felt like a love letter from one writer to another stuffed in a bottle and washed up on the sand, you know, and right at her feet. So I thought if it would be okay with you, I could read a little bit from that acknowledgement section, just in case, because I'm sure you do, you have some writers who could use it. I always tell people that um, when they hear this, if they feel like it was, they see themselves in these acknowledgements, then yes. These were written just for them. All right, it starts this way. To all who are struggling, who don't know if their voices matter, to the writers and artists who wonder if all they do will forever be invisible, I honor you. To the tellers of stories for which there are no comp titles, the writers of unlikable female narrators, to the misfit writers, the parent writers scribbling after their babies go to sleep, the writers writing in their heads, the writers writing in their cars, 
the writers living in their cars, retiree writers who feel too old to start, the young writers whose families tell them it's not practical to continue, the 20-year overnight successes, the poor ones, the sick ones, the baffled, the lost, the marginalized, slushed, the ones with no writer's groups, the ones with destructive writer's groups, the ones who want to clear a path for others. I see you and I urge you to keep going. You are not alone. Please believe in yourself even when you don't believe in yourself. No, oh, that's nice. Uh, maybe I'll uh, pull that out and uh, even offer it separate. That'd be great. I love that. Thank you. So if you had a choice, Diane, I said Diane, not Diana, so I'm getting it. Yeah. Um, if you had a choice, would you rather turn this book into a movie or a TV show? Oh, that's a, such a dream for either one of those things to happen. And there were a few written interviews I did where I just said the name Reese Witherspoon over and over again. So like maybe her staff would see it at some point in their <laughs> algorithm. I'm just like trying to channel the universe. Please pick this up. For me, it would definitely be a series like on Hulu or Netflix. Because I just, in the way that this book has been received by people as immersive, where they really feel like they've been to Sweden, they've traveled to these places. I want to have people feel immersed in the story in that length of time, a series where they can really dive in, I think would be really gorgeous for them. Nice. So you mentioned Reese Witherspoon. When you were writing the book, writing the character, did you picture her in your head to help get down the actions and mannerisms and speech patterns and things? No, I really was thinking about Reese because she has a really popular book club. And I was hoping that Reese Witherspoon would pick it up for her book club, right? Send this thing viral. No, for me, it was maybe people that I have known in my life, that beloved friend who I did travel to Sweden with. I would think of her sometimes, other days, that main character of Siri was someone else. And it was always this amalgam of different people in my life that I've known at different times. Even if it's just to record or capture away someone tucked their hair behind their ear. There's somebody out there that I remember doing that, and that's the person I would see in that right. moment. Yeah. That's why authors are always observing people and eavesdropping yes. on conversations. That's right. <laughs> Stalking, whatever you want to call it. Right. So I assume through Random House, people can get your book anywhere, in-store and online, correct? Yeah, it's available everywhere. I always encourage people to go to their local bookshop. And if you don't see it there, you can order it there. But it's in most places. The All Night Sun is casting its light everywhere. Nice. Okay. Do you have a website yourself? I do. And it's really simple. DianeZena.com. So you can find information about the book, what's coming next, and then all the classes that I teach. So if people really are interested in exploring memoir writing or grief writing, or in February, I've got this incredible publishing class that will be every morning in February, 28 straight days, about sending out work to journals. Um, They can find all the information there. Okay. And what are your plans for the next book? I wrote another novel, and I thought it was done. I loved it. But I sent it to my agent, and she pointed out that there's some real problems with it. But for me, I feel like it's some of the best writing I've ever done in my career. And I'm so affectionate towards some of the scenes that I'm having a hard time going back right now and changing things. So I'm doing what I tell all my students to do. Give it some rest time. Put it away for a little while. 
so that eventually I can come back and look at it with fresh eyes and be a little bit more objective about what I was doing. In the meantime, I'm working on a proposal for a craft book about how to write about grief. And so um, that's my next project. I'm almost done with that. Oh, yeah. Let me know when that book goes out, because I'm sure a lot of authors would love to read that. Uh, Not that we don't go through grief, but it's one of those things hard to write. can be. It can be so intimidating. It can feel re-traumatizing to some people to sit down at a blank page and tell their story. And I'm trying to approach it quite differently. And so I think that people would be very interested to see all the things that are available to them. Nice. Great. All right, let's. We already talked a little bit about some of your favorite books. Uh, do you have any others that you would say are like your, your go to feel good favorite books of all time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some of my favorite authors, right? George Saunders. Wow. I love him so much. <laughs> and his Marin Booker Prize winner, Lincoln and the Bardo. If people haven't read him before, it's all written almost like a play. And the characters are mainly ghosts inhabiting um, the mausoleum where Lincoln's son is is at peace. So that's my favorite, one of my favorite books for sure. For memoir, I absolutely adore anything by Cheryl Strayed, but Wild is one of my all-time favorites. And because some people on here may be writers and may be looking for some suggestions for writers, short story writers and novelists. George Saunders is one of my favorite teachers of all time. And he has this beautiful new book out called A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. And it's like being in his classroom. He's the most, one of the most loving and compassionate writers and teachers. I think this could be a really good help for them. For nonfiction or memoir writers, this is the book. Pellet's Land has so many incredible ways of approaching telling our own stories. One more. This is for everybody who's looking to publish anything before and after the book deal by Courtney Mom. It's like having a funny big sister walk you through every single question about publishing. Nice. Great. That's some good uh, things to share. I'll make sure and put links into the show notes. And you mentioned bookstores. Do you have a favorite local bookstore you like to go to? I do. There's one down um, the road from my house called Bard's Alley, and it's just so small. It's so little. So you know that the shelves are curated by people who really adore books and can speak to them. I love taking my daughter there because when we go in, she can overhear the booksellers recommending books to other people, and she can hear people loving books so much. So that's the one I would mention, Bard's Alley in Vienna, Virginia. Nice. I keep seeing a hand. Is that your uh, child? That's my daughter. You have to come on camera now. now You're on camera now. You're famous. (laughs) This is my daughter, Sarah. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) All right. Go back to school. She has virtual school today. Well, I don't. We we, we had a lot of snow Monday. Did you guys get swamped? Yes, we got it. I am up by Kent State, about an hour south of Cleveland. So just a little ways north of you, state or two. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we move on and talk about some author stuff, what would you, if if someone said, hey, why should I read your book? What would you tell I think the first thing is that we all need a departure right now with the pandemic. I think for people who really want to feel like they're getting away into something completely different, a different world. 
beyond that sun is just transportive. You know, it will take you to Sweden. And I just had so much fun showing what it was like for me there that I want people to experience that. So that's the number one thing. But truly, if you um, have ever had a friend who just completely changed your life and came in, swept in at the exact moment when you needed it and changed your life forever, I feel like this is the book for you. Nice. Great. Thank you. That's great. Diane, I appreciate you taking some time and talking to us about your book, letting everybody know uh, what it's about. It sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's been a joy. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you.